You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I got under the blood in December 1985, and I've never got over that, and I don't want to. Amen. I hope you tonight have been to Calvary. If you have not been to Calvary, it'd be a good night. Get born again. Amen. Ah, praise the Lord. It's good. I tell you, I'm excited. Thank you, preacher, so much for letting us come. I'm nervous as a tick. I've never been in North Dakota, but we'll see how it turns out. Amen. I'm excited to see that there's some people in the house of God tonight. And I, I'm just excited about that. I'm glad God's still saving sinners even in North Dakota. Amen. That thrills my heart. That's all. Can I just be me tonight? Amen. If I can be me and you be you. How many saved by the grace of God? Raise your hand. I'm, I'm in South Dakota. I said North Dakota, didn't I? That just now dawned on me. I live in North Carolina. Amen. That's it. And we argue about the South, whether it's really South, if you're North or not. Anyways, so y'all don't know what I'm talking about. But that's all right. I know where I'm at. See, I don't even know where I'm at. And uh, amen. I, I didn't. How many saved by the grace of God? Raise your hand. Amen. Well, let me say this to you. If you're saved by the grace of God, I know that I'm saved by the grace of God. If you're telling the truth, that means we're going to spend eternity together in heaven. We might as well love each other down here. Amen. It'll be different Amen. than what you're used to tonight, but I'm just trying to tell you, buckle up, we're going to have church. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Matthew in chapter number 9 tonight. Matthew chapter 9. Again, we do uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here. We ask you to pray for us. We're so excited about what God's doing. Allen's a city of 104,000. There's not an independent Baptist church in the city of Allen. So there's a tremendous need. Our nation is in trouble. And uh, the reason that America's in trouble tonight, listen church, it's not because of the White House. It's not because of the moral morass in our land. It's not because of all the things that are taking place outside the doors of the church. The reason that America's in trouble tonight is because of the absence of Bible preaching across the land. Amen. I believe the greatest thing that America needs tonight is to plant and establish local New Testament, King James, Bible-believing, Baptist-preaching churches across the land. Amen. I believe that's the answer for America. Amen. amen. Somebody else say amen right there because that's the answer. Amen. Where would we be tonight? There wasn't an independent Baptist church preaching the Bible right here. Amen. Thank God for the church. Amen. Well, if you're willing and able and you found your place and you're willing to stand with me for just a moment as we give reverence to the Word of God, I've got a lot of work to do and a little time to do it, so we need to get to it. Verse number 26 in Matthew is where we're going to begin reading. In chapter 9, verse 26, the Bible says this, And the fame hereof went abroad into all that land. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed Him, crying and saying, Thou Son of David, have mercy on us. And when He was come into the house, the blind men came to Him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? You know, it's amazing sometimes that we pray to the very God of heaven who's able to do anything that we ask, and yet we don't even believe uh, that He's able to do what we're asking Him to do. Obviously, they had a problem with that because here they are saying, hey, give us our eyesight. And He said, do you even believe what you're asking? I like their response. Look at it. They said, yea, Lord. In verse 29, after that, then touched He their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. I wonder what would be accomplished tonight if we're according to our faith. Let that sink in just a little bit. 
If it were according to your faith, and if it was according to my faith, what would truly be accomplished? It's worthy to think about. Look at as he goes a little further, verse 30, he says this, And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. I will hesitate only once more because there's so much here. But you know, if you study the life of Christ, oftentimes when He did a miracle and He did a, a major thing there, He would tell the crowd or those that He touched, He said, now listen, don't be telling everybody what just happened. In other words, be quiet. Don't publish this. He said, see that no man know it. And that's what He told them. And they went and published it. And yet you and I tonight, let's just be honest, we live in the generation of the dispensation where He said, Go and tell, and there's less going and telling than there's ever been. Amen. I find that interesting in the text there. Anyways, as we move on, it says this, He told them, see that no man knoweth, verse 31, but they, when they were departed, spread abroad His fame in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought to Him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of the devils and Jesus went about. We'll stop reading there. Father, I need you this evening to help me, God, to undergird me with strength. I pray that you'd clothe me in my calling. I pray that you would empty me of self tonight. Oh, God, please cleanse me of any sin. And God, fill me with your spirit tonight that I might be able to preach tonight in power and in demonstration. I pray, dear God, that you would help us to just take heed to the Word of God tonight. I pray, dear God, you'd walk among us tonight, touch the heart of every man, every woman, every boy and girl that's assembled in this place. If there's one here tonight and they've never been to Calvary, they've never been born again, though they may be on the church roll, though they may hold a King James Bible in their lap, if they've not been born again, they'll split hell wide open. I pray you draw them unto yourself. I pray for the rest of us that we'd come closer to thee than what we've ever been. Help us, oh God, to learn something and to be uh, just God encouraged and exhorted through the Word of God tonight. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated tonight. Now there's a whole lot of preaching here that I'll not do for the sake of time, but I want to suffice it to say this. In the early part of chapter 9, there's a whole lot of business taking place. The Lord's doing a lot of work there. You can go read that later on. Don't do it right now. But uh, there's just a lot that took place there. And it led us up to verse 26 and it says, The fame hereof. You can't just start a text like that. You've got to go back and labor. Well, what just took place? I tell you, a whole lot of things took place, such as uh, so men were healed. I'm talking about Jesus ate with sinners, and Pharisees didn't like it. They began to criticize that. And he said, Hey, listen, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He is a friend of sinners. And somebody ought to say, Thank God that Jesus Christ is still hey, a friend of sinners. Hey, Amen. Where would you be, or where would I be, if he wasn't a friend of sinners? Hey, Amen. But you know, the religious crowd don't like that. It gets under their skin. Uh, when we start to love it on sinners, amen. But I like that, amen. And then, of course, a little while later down in the text there, you know, uh, there was a ruler that came to Jesus and said, man, my daughter's dead. I need you to come and heal her. And the Lord said, all right. And he begins to make haste to go and to raise that daughter from the dead. Uh, and while he's going, uh, there's a woman uh, with an issue of blood and she interrupted the process. And uh, you think that, you know, just me, I'm kind of carnal. I probably would have pushed her out of the way, amen. My 
daughter's already dead. You still got life. You can look at me like you want to. I'm just telling you, this daddy probably would have not let you get in the way if the Lord Jesus is the only one, and he is the only one that can bring the resurrection to my child. But you know what? Nobody ever gets in his way. He's always on time. He doesn't get delayed. I thank God for divine providence. He healed her of the issue of blood, and then he went and raised that child from the dead. Now, that's a whole lot of stuff that took place, and the Bible says the fame hereof was spread abroad. Amen. I'd say there was something to be talked about, wouldn't you? Yes, sir. And now, now get a hold of this. I'm laboring for a minute on purpose. If I had a title, I might call this Missions 101. Missions 101. Maybe we call it So Winning 101. You call it whatever you want. I'm just going to preach the Bible. But it says, It is fame hereof went abroad in all that land. Look at verse 27. It says, When Jesus departed this. Now, He's leaving that area from all the activity of the early part of chapter 9. It says, Two blind men followed Him. Can I ask you a question tonight? How does a blind man follow anybody? Are you all with me tonight? Say amen. amen. How does a blind man follow anybody? That's a good question, isn't it? I tell you, can I give you a little leakology? I tell you what happened. There was such a crowd. Jesus made such a stir with all the things He was doing in chapter 9. And there's a crowd following Him. And you know, they must have been talking. Man, He did this. And man, He did that. And maybe that little child was there. He just raised me from the dead. And a woman that had an issue of blood said, I'm whole. I've made, been made clean. I don't know. There had to be some kind of noise in that crowd. But all of a sudden, when they were walking by, these two blind men, oh, they couldn't see for Him. But they could hear just fine. And they began to hear, that's Him. That's him. That's him. Let me get the crowd out. Jesus, that son of David, have mercy on us. Amen. Some of y'all can't think back that far because I can tell by the way you're looking at me, it's crazy. But think about it like this. You remember when you was in blindness and you was on your way to the devil's hell and you couldn't see? Oh, but somebody came by. Yes. And there is a bomb in Gilead. There's a Savior. And his name is Christ. And I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll save those from the guttermost to the uttermost. And some of you got in when he came by. Amen. You remember that? You sing about it. I once was blind, but now I see. Yes, now these two fellows, they cried out for the one who could give them their eyesight. Oh boy, they got a hold of it. Now look at it. Watch this. This is so good. Y'all about to get me excited in here. And I ain't even got rolling yet. Lord, help. Says they got, uh, they got to asking him, Lord, would you do this? He said, believe you that I'm able. They said unto him, yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes. Now watch this. This is amazing. Because verse 30 says, Their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. I'm going to put an interjection here. They got a good old-fashioned dose of what we call in North Carolina, a good old-fashioned dose of I can't help it. I can't help it. He did something for me, and He told me not to tell, but I know somebody that's in trouble tonight. I know they need Him, and He's the only one. But thanks be unto God, if I can just get this fella over to Jesus, Jesus can do for him what He cannot do for Himself. Jesus can do for him what I can't do for him. I've got to get him to the Savior. They grabbed him. I don't know if they drug him or not, preacher. All I know is they brought him. There obviously wasn't much of a hesitation. Can you see them bringing this guy? Nobody wants to be around this guy. And they bring him to Jesus. Why? See, that's good indication they got something. Let me help you. I'm going to break it down real clear. How many did you say was saved by the grace of God? Here, raise your hand again. I'll tell you something. It's a real manifestation of that when you get concerned about getting other people to the same one that saved you. If there's no concern for others to get the same help that you and I have got, 
after salvation. Are you listening to me? And I'm talking about it's a natural thing. What do you mean? He helped me. I know he can help someone else. And they got this fella and they got it, they got determined to get him to Jesus. Now that's good. And that's a good indication that they got saved. Amen. Now they bring him to Jesus. Now the Bible says he was uh he was possessed with a devil. He was dumb. He couldn't speak. Now look at verse 33. I'm I'm gonna, I'm just laboring to get to this point here. It says, And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. And the multitudes marveled, saying it was never so senior. Some of you, when you got saved, there's a crowd that said, I can't believe this. Yeah. I don't believe it. Yeah. That guy ain't the same guy he used to be. Amen. He don't laugh at the Amen. same jokes he used to laugh at. Amen. I don't know what's wrong with her. She's got something about her. Nah, she's just not the same. They just can't figure it out. They think you're weird. Why would you go to church on a Wednesday night Amen. when it's cold? Yeah. <laughs> and it is cold. Amen. But it may be cold out there, bless God, but it ought never to be cold in the house of God. I've gone enough cold, dried out, dead churches. I'm telling you, we ought to be alive and well. You know why? We've been made in contact with the one who is alive and well. And so they brought him to Jesus. Now watch this happen. It says the multitude's marvel, but verse 34, it says, The Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. Can I just labor here for a second? The Lord Jesus Christ in His public ministry was concerned about one thing. He was concerned about doing the will of His Father who sent Him. You study the life of... I don't have time to preach at all. There's a lot of preaching there. But Jesus was on a mission for His Father. He wasn't doing His own will. Didn't have His own agenda. He must be about the will of Him that sent Him, which is His Father. Amen. Amen? And so here He is doing His Father's will from about the time He's 12 years old up until now. All through the Word of God, He's doing one thing. His Father's will. Are you all with me? I just want to say this to you. As soon as He's doing the Father's will, verse 34, the Pharisees started criticizing him. They said they said he casts out devils through the prince of the devil. I just want to make a statement here. Listen to me. I, I know that uh, it is, it's February, it's cold, it's Wednesday night, y'all are tired, it's late. But listen to me. If you ever determine, you hear this preacher, hear me well now, if you ever determine that you're going to lock some barrel, sell out to God, come, I'm telling you, come what may, you're going to serve Him, whatever the cost. You can mark it down, friend. There'll be some people, maybe in your own family, maybe some of your friends, and they will not understand you. They won't understand what it is that drives you, and they will criticize you. But the reason I said that is to say this. Look how Jesus handled it. Look at it now. It says in Jesus, verse 35, Jesus went about. I stopped there on purpose. He went about. You know what's happening here? He's going and he's doing his father's will, and there's some criticisms that come up. You know what he does? He just he doesn't clear off his pot. He could have. He doesn't fry them like a bunch of sausages. He could have. No, what he did is he went on about doing what he's doing in the first place. And I want to say to you and I, if they begin to criticize you for doing his will, just go on about doing it anyway. There's about three things I want to show you tonight from this text. And the first one's this. I look here and I see some things. The first thing I see is the example of the Lord. The example of the Lord. Can I say to you tonight, church, He is our example. Yes, sir. I want to say something. And I don't, how, how many, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I want to know because I want to make a statement. How many would be in this room and say, Preacher, I've only been saved one year or less? Is there anybody like that? Nobody. One. Okay. How many would say, I've been saved two years or less? A couple of you. Well, good. How many five years or less? A few of you. Good. 
Well, here's the thing. It's not just for them, but I really want them to get this. Some of y'all been saved long enough by your own testimony, then you ought to already know this, but just amen me when I help them. <laughs> Let me say this to the young child of God. There are going to be some people in your life, some good men, some godly men, listen to me, and we're men. We are men. We are in flesh just like any other man. And we will fail. We will let you down. We will disappoint you. That's not our intention. But I want you to know, honey, it's bound to happen sooner or later. You put your confidence in a man, he will let you down. Oh, but honey, let me just tell you what you can do. If you'll just keep your eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what happens down here, no matter who goes wrong, who falls by the wayside, if we will just lift our eyes to the Savior who is our example. We can continue on no matter what happens down here. Amen. He said in Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is. Hey, listen, I'm thankful for some godly men and I've been blessed Amen. to sit under the greatest men of God on planet Earth and I'm thankful for that but I'm accountable to that but above all that, I'm still supposed to look at Him. Yes, sir. And now look at his, his example, how He went about. Now I want to look a little further. Verse 35, it says, and Jesus went about, that next word, you ought to circle that in your Bible. He went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Do you know what Jesus just did in one little verse? He just threw Calvinism out the door. Hey. He just threw half hey. Calvinism out the door. Hey, That's listen, right. Calvinism right. is a damnable heresy. Hey. It does not belong in the life of a child of God. Hey. And right here, the Bible says he went about all the cities and villages. It doesn't matter if it's a big city like Allen, Texas, or a little village like wherever I'm at tonight, the place is in between. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. That tells me he He's concerned. He said he went to them all. Doesn't matter what size it is. Jesus Christ is concerned about the soul yes. of every man, yes. every woman, every boy, and every girl. Yes. No matter their color. No matter yes. their creed. No matter where they came from. Amen. He's concerned about them all. Amen. And if he's our example, ladies and gentlemen, then number one, we need to be concerned about them all. Yes, sir. Right, I'm a whosoever will man. Yes. But I'm not a whensoever will man. Right. You'll get saved when he draws you or you'll not get saved at all. He said, except my brother which hit me draw them, they cannot come. That's called conviction. And without conviction, there, honey, there's no conversion. Go ahead and say man right there. And without repentance, there is no regeneration. I don't care what generation we're living in. It's still Bible. And Jesus is our example. Now, if he's our example, then don't you think we ought to do it his way? We ought to be concerned about every soul and every town. That's right. That's right. Amen, amen, and amen. By the way, uh, a lot of people still ask, and I know y'all don't do that, but there's a lot of people still ask, why go to America? I said, have you ever read Acts 1 8? That's what we call the Great Commission. Yeah. Did you know Acts 1 8 is majority made up of home missions? Yes, Just sir. study that out sometime. Amen. amen. Anyways, Jesus is our example. Now, watch this. It says he was teaching and preaching. And then there's a comment that says, and, did you see that in verse 35? And healing. Every sickness and every disease among the people. Y'all saw that, right? I want to make a couple statements here so I can move on, but I need to labor. If this is all we get tonight, that's fine. I want you to get this. I want to say this. The Lord is concerned about the physical needs of people. He's concerned about the physical needs of the people. It says, and healing every sickness and every disease. 
Now, he would have known what disease would have been in that crowd and that multitude. Right. He'd have found them. While he was teaching, while he was preaching, he'd have found them and healed them. All right? The Bible says this. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Is that Bible or not? Yes, sir. Amen. So then, if I understand my Bible and you understand your Bible, it means he hadn't changed. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that if he were here tonight, you know what he'd be doing? He'd be teaching and preaching and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Amen. Let me say something to you. I've traveled around a little while now, probably full time for about eight or nine years. Been preaching about 15 years. But uh, listen, we in our church at home, we still have what's called a prayer room. All right? So 15 minutes before every service, we have a prayer room in the back of the church. The men meet over here and the ladies meet over here. On Wednesday nights, we have an altar of prayer after the prayer room. That's just what we do. I'm not saying you got to do it that way, but I'm telling you what we do. And there's still other people that still do that. There's places around this country that don't have prayer room, but they'll hand out a piece of paper uh, maybe on Wednesday night or Sunday night, and on the back of it is a whole bunch of prayer requests. It's a prayer list or a prayer sheet. I, I'm not against that. I've got some of my own personal ones. I'm just telling you, there's always needs to be mentioned in prayer. And uh, But I'll tell you something. Listen to me now. Don't check out. If you don't hear all this, you're going to walk out that door and say, Brother Lake, don't care about people. And that's a lie. Don't let the devil lie to you. And So listen here. So what happens is, <clears throat> in about... Uh, the first five minutes or so of the prayer room, there'll be some time of sharing burdens and prayer requests. Uh, and that uh, it happens that way. But I promise you, listen to me, within about five minutes, uh, if not sooner, somebody's going to say this. They're going to say something to this effect. Preacher, I've got a burden. Hey, preacher, pray for so-and-so. Well, they just got a bad report from the doctor today and they found out that they've got cancer in their body. And I'm telling you, it's real. Now listen to me, it's real. I'm not minimizing this stuff. It's real. It is real. But uh, listen, I'm talking about we get tore, that tore up. And I, my wife's mama, she's been going through cancer and leukemia for the last eight or six, six or eight years. I don't know how long now. And her body's heat up. I mean, in and out. I know how it goes. Some of y'all have been touched by it. You know what I'm talking about. But it's real. Now listen, the Lord Jesus, the Bible says He's teaching and preaching and healing. So here's one that's in the multitude that's got a disease. Now we already saw in the early part of chapter 9 how that He healed some of those diseases, and He did, and, and yet He would have done that again. But listen, if all He did was come over here and give this man an extra 10 years of life, He's just prolonged the inevitable because He's already dead in His trespasses and sin. Right. He's already on His way to the devil's hell. All He would do is prolong the inevitable. Yeah. I said he's concerned with people's physical needs. Yeah. But he's primarily concerned with their spiritual needs. Right, While he was touching them, now get this, look at your Bible. You won't believe me if it's not in there. Look at your Bible. It says, but, you know what that means? While all this is going on, while he's teaching, while he's preaching, while he's healing, something stops him. It's like, stop! But, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand that it wasn't their physical ailments that moved him? How many times, church, I'm not accusing, but I want us to consider how many times are we more easily moved by someone's physical condition? Amen. In other words, we 
easier moved when it's a physical malady. I'm not minimizing the pain of real suffering. But if we're going to say that He's our example, then we better follow it to the T. And He is our example. And while He was concerned and meeting their physical needs, something gripped His heart and stopped Him dead in His tracks. And it was the fact that there's a greater need than the physical. And that is the spiritual. Because they are as sheep scattered abroad, having no shepherd. And I want to say tonight, how many things are you and I moved by? that don't move God. You see, we live in a generation that's moved by money. I'm going to an area that's very, very wealthy. You can't get an acre of dirt for less than $600,000. Their God is not even their money. You know what their biggest God is in that city? It's the pigskin. There's a football stadium that seats 18,000. It's their high school stadium, a $65 million stadium. Their God is that football. I'm talking about people that are moved every Friday night to load up everything they've got and go sit there and scream at some fellas running up and down the field with a ball. I'm talking about we live in a generation that is moved by a lot of things that don't move God. We're moved by entertainment. We're moved by jobs. We're moved by emotion. Let somebody cut you off tomorrow morning on your way to the most important appointment of your life and you're late. I promise you, you'll be moved. I drive like a Baptist preacher. I honestly try to be honest in my driving. But some parts of the country, I drive and people feel motivated. They feel moved to pull up right beside me and look at me and tell me that I'm number one. (laughs) They're moved by something. You know, it's amazing if I set a stack of $100, not that I could do it, but if I could set a stack of $100 bills there, I promise you somebody would move towards the front. See, we can watch, we can watch old Yeller. Yeah. And you'll watch the biggest, ugliest, meanest dudes. Set them right down here in front. Let them watch old Yeller, man. They'll shed a tear when that old dog's here. I'm telling you. Let somebody die and go to hell around them. Yes. Amen. And we won't even flinch. Amen. It doesn't stir us anymore. You know why? Because things that move us aren't what moves him. And if he's our example, then don't you think it's about time that we recognize what moves him primarily ought to be what moves us. And what ought to move us is the fact that there are sheep scattered abroad everywhere. They have not a shepherd tonight. Anybody outside the doors of this church in this community ought to be looked at as sheep that don't have a shepherd. Amen. Amen. That's right. Allen, Texas is a bunch of sheep that don't have a shepherd yet. That's what moved him. Yes, I'm just sir. talking about the example of the Lord. Amen. But watch this. Amen. Verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Mm-hmm. He takes these twelve, he takes these disciples, and he says, You need to see them. You know what, church? You know what he wants us to do tonight? He wants us to quit looking down our long, pharisaical, critical noses at others that are not like us and realize that instead of looking at their sin, we need to see their souls. Amen. That's right. Oh, we're not going to skirt sin under the rug. We're going to preach the Bible. And we're going to hate sin because God hates sin. Amen. 
We're not going to excuse sin just because people don't know better. We're going to preach the Word of God until Amen. they get it. Amen. 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 But I'm going to tell you something. What he's trying to get these fellows to understand is what you need to do is see them like I see them. Yeah. Amen. And if we'll see them like he sees them, we'll have a different birth. Amen. You know why we're not too concerned about the lost? You know why? Can I get honest with you? Because we don't really see them like he sees them. That's right. You know, it's real easy as a preacher. I'm going to be honest with you for a minute. It's real easy. And I struggle with this. You pray for me. I, I'm telling you, I'm being real. I'm going to be transparent. There's times when I can look at the sin instead of the soul. Yes, sir. That's right. And become critical Absolutely. of the fact that there's my Savior that died for me died for them too. That's right, brother. Yes, sir. Those of us that raised our hands and said we're saved by the grace of God, they need it too. Amen. Amen. And so he get, now get this. He says, "See the multitude." He wants them to see it. Now it's an amazing thing. I'm, I'm hurrying, but watch this. Look at verse number thirty-eight. He says, he shows them the harvest. Then he says, "Pray you therefore, Amen. the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest." I see two things. I see first of all the example of the Lord, but then next I see right here I see the entering into the labor. The entering in. You always enter in through prayer. Hang on a second. Did he not just say to them in the first prayer, hey, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few? Did he not just say that? Then why didn't he say go preach? If he's moved by that harvest, how come he didn't tell them to go reach them? See, our Lord is concerned with what we do. But he's more concerned with how we do it. Amen. That's good. Amen. There's a process that's equally important, if not more important, than the product. Amen. Because he's concerned. How concerned is he? It moved him. Yes, sir. And the first thing he says, look at him. Then he says, I'm going to tell you how to enter into that labor. Amen. Pray. Amen. Amen. He says, Pray ye that. Now watch this. He said, pray ye therefore the Lord. Get the, here's the twelve. Y'all see them say amen. I'll preach all night unless you say you see them. You see these twelve? Amen. We know one of them's got a devil, but we're going to let him be in there anyways. Amen. Every church has got a devil. Amen. That's another message for another time. But uh, it's usually Sister Flabberjaw and Brother Sandpaper. But anyways, right here's the twelve. You see the twelve? He said, fellas, pray ye. He's pointing to them. The Lord. Do you know who you're praying to? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he may send forth laborers into his harvest. You know what he said to them? It's not about you. It's got nothing to do with you. It's my harvest. I'm the Lord. You just simply need to obey and be the laborers. Amen. <coughs> you know why? You know why he did that? Because they're like us. They're a lot of Baptists. And if you let them have the way too long, they'll start saying things like, Man, I got, here's Peter over here. I got 200, praise God. Here's, 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 here's John the Beloved. I, Peter, that's great. I'm glad you got 200 in your little church. Man, we got 500 over here. I'm the Beloved, amen. Yeah. And they don't think that don't happen. It would happen, amen. And pretty soon, old Thomas be over here. I'm pretty sure we got 20. I doubt it, but I'm pretty sure we got 20. I'm glad for what y'all got. And you know what we do as Baptist preachers? How many of y'all running? Dear God, I hope we ain't running none. Hope we can keep some of them, amen. But what we'll start to do is we'll start saying, look what we done. Look what we done. I built the church over here. I'm running 100. I decide, no, no, no. It's got nothing to do with the labor. It's got everything to do with the Lord. Amen. It's His harvest. Amen. That's important. He labored on that with these guys. That's right. But you know what's amazing? Not only do we see the example of the Lord and the entering into the labor. By the way, you know why people are not praying for laborers tonight? Do you want to know why? 
because they're terribly afraid that he might call them. Yeah, that's right. Watch this. Verse 38, he says, pray. He says, look at it like this. He said, go pray. Go pray. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 10. And I'm, I'm about done, y'all. Y'all, Man, we're running good. He says, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples. Did you see that? Same context. Don't get confused by the chapter division. That's not inspired of God. That's for our benefit. But sometimes it's an interruption. Because there's the same context here. Because in the same context, he said, go pray. And in verse 1, he said, come here. What does that tell us? It tells us they did exactly what He told them to do. Yeah. When's the last time the Lord told you to do something and you just obeyed without delay? Amen. He said, go pray. And then He said, come here. Now watch this. This is important. And when He had called unto Him His twelve disciples, He gave them power. Did you see that? Boy, that's something. Hey, listen now. The Baptist church had scared to death because the perverted, charismatic, Pentecostal movement has scared us out of old time biblical power. Right. Amen. And I tell you, the church is powerless tonight. Amen. And it's not because we don't have access to it, but we let somebody scare us away from it. Amen. I'm 10,000 miles from a turkey talking charismatic. I'm telling you, but sound doctrine, sound doctrine, sound Bible doctrine Amen. will drive away and we're thinking anyways. Yes, yeah, And right. besides that, just so you know, you look like a young fella, us Baptists were shouting on before they came along. Amen. 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 That's, right. That's the truth. And if, if we hadn't lost our shout, there wouldn't be no charismatic movement. Yeah. 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 Amen. Right. You're free with that one. Amen. It says he gave them power, but I want you to notice what kind of power. I'm about done, but look. He gave them power against what? Unclean spirits. To cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Sounds like they're supposed to follow his pattern. Right. We'll get, we're going to come back to that in a minute, but there's something I want to show you. This is a little nugget. I get excited about nuggets. Maybe y'all don't, but I do. Hey, ma'am. Uh, this is a nugget. You might get a blessing. If you don't, it blesses me anyway, so I'm going to tell you. Look at verse 1 again. It says, He called unto Him His twelve disciples. you see that? Do you see that? Now, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but if you go study it later. Verse 2, verse 3, and verse 4. Look at verse 2. It says, Now the names of the twelve. So that tells me that in verse 2, verse 3, and verse 4, guess what He's fixing to do? Church, He's fixing to give us their names. Yeah. Now watch this. This is amazing. And look at verse 5. These twelve. Oh my. Okay, now watch this. Look up here. Here He is in verse 1. He says, His twelve. Are you with me? In verse 2, 3, and 4, He names them. And in verse 5, it says, These 12. Come! You know why? I tell you why. Prayer with God so changes a man that Jesus Christ has to re-identify them to the multitude for the work they were doing. Amen. I wonder if you've ever had that kind of prayer life with God that when you go out in the world and you start working and doing your business out there, they don't know who you are. They can't understand this power. They can't understand what's different about you. I tell you, He makes a difference for you. Yes, sir. I want to ask you a question then. Some of y'all didn't enjoy that like I did. But it's still good. <laughs> you know why they don't enjoy it? Very few, very few have ever gotten to that place. Amen. How many of you want to do something for the Lord? Amen. Would you be honest tonight? Amen. Can I encourage you with something? You will never, ever, ever be able to do something for the Lord until you first spend some time with the Lord. Yes. Amen. That's, right. That's what he's teaching them here. Amen. What That's made good. the difference was the time they spent with him. That's good. Yes, That's good. Amen. See, it's not about us. Amen. It's not about preaching. I know this is different probably than what you're used to. You get some good preaching again someday. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, I know Brother Hamby's on his way up, so I know what you're going to hear there. Amen. I love Brother Hamby. Amen. But look at this, and I'm about done. 
Verse 5, look at it again. It says, these 12 Jesus, now after all of that, remember how moved he was by the multitude? He still hasn't sent them out. But now in verse 5 it says, these 12 Jesus sent forth. And he gave them a command. It wasn't an option. It was an obligation. He says, go not into the way of the Gentiles, into any of the city of Samaritans, enter you not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And look at it, as you go, preach! Saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now look at verse 8. Isn't that interesting? Remember that power he gave them? He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, heal all manner of sickness and manner of deeds. Verse number 9, uh, verse number 8, look at it. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Now look at it. Watch this now. Jesus now has sent them out. I see that, don't you? And as he sends them out, he said, listen, Phillips, what you need to do is understand something. You need to keep the maintain, the maintain. And the maintain, in case you're wondering, is the preaching of the Word of God. I'm not against singing, I like it. I'm not against this and that sometimes. But I'm going to tell you something. High on the list of preeminence than God's economy and God's order is not entertainment, it's not singing. Hey, it's the preaching of the Word of God. And we've got a generation tonight, they don't care what you do, just don't preach. But our Lord said when He sent them out, and we already admitted He's our example, amen? And if we've entered into the labor and prayer, what He wants us to do is to understand that everywhere we go, as we're going, we're supposed to be preaching. Amen. You say, that's good for a preacher. Hold on, time out. Yes. This is where we would differ. Because those of you that earlier raised your hands and said you've been saved by the grace of God, have been given the exact same responsibility of proclaiming the gospel to every creature that we come in contact with. He said, as you go, fellas, just preach. You know what he's saying? You know what he's saying to those 12? He said, my word's enough. I'm sufficient. God's word changes lives. He said, I'll tell you what, fellas. You're going to have some people along the way. They're just messed up. They got some real bad vices in their life. Some things that are strongholds. Hey, listen, they're going to need a little extra attention, a little help. Don't you get hung up on that. If you'll just preach the Word of God, line upon line, and precept upon precept, it'll change their life. Amen. But in case you get one here and there that needs a little extra attention, I've given you the power to deal with that. Amen. That's good. Amen. Right. That's what he's saying. Amen. Yes. And what he says to them, he says to us. Amen. You see, if you'll follow his example and enter into the labor his way, there's a final command that he gives us. But it has to be done in his order. And what he just told them to do, ladies and gentlemen, is this. See if you can hear him saying it to them. But as you go, and as you go, preach. You know what he's telling them to do? He said, fellas, go out there to that multitude and exercise love. The same love that I have bestowed upon you. Because it's not right for you to have received my love shed abroad in your hearts and hold it to yourself. When there is a multitude of sheep that are scattered abroad. Where are they at, preacher? They're in Walmart. They're in the workplace. There's some that are even in the worship house. But they're all in the world. Mm -hmm. He said they're scattered abroad. And it's not right for you and I to boastfully say that we're saved and no one outside the doors of this church Mm -hmm. ever 
knows it. Yeah. And what he tells him to do. You know why we preach the way we do? You know why we do what we do? It's motivated. It has to be motivated. Amen. By love. Amen. For the very one who loved me. Yes, sir. Amen. And we have to look at it like this. Do you remember the time when you were unlovable? Now think about it for a minute. Do you remember when you was on your way to the devil's hell? Yes, Undeserving, unworthy, unlovable. But somehow, <laughs> the God of glory sent somebody Amen. your way. And I promise you, before they ever came your way, they got along with him yes. and understood Amen. what it's all about. And they saw you as he saw you. And when they did, they began to, I believe it's what my heart, they began to pray that God would do something to, to make a difference. And when they got through, they was able to come by and your heart just happened to be ready for the gospel. That's right. And you responded that day. Mm -hmm. See, if you've never been saved, you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But those of you who raised your hand and said you've been saved, you, you better know exactly what I'm talking about. That's right. Amen. Aren't you thankful yeah. that somebody loved you enough? Amen. Then please tell me. I've traveled, I've been in 280 churches, brother, 18 months. From coast to coast. Mm. And there's not much concern for the multitude mm -hmm. of sheep scattered abroad. Pray tell me this, and somebody stand and give me an answer. Why don't they deserve what you got? Why do they deserve to go to hell and you don't? I know it's getting real, but it needs to get real. Yes, sir. And I say it like this. I hope this would be a stirring and a warning. Because there's churches all across this country that are greater in number and size than this church that will close their doors mm -hmm. because they will not take you. The base, it's so basic, it's not even funny. But you know what? We've gotten so far from the basics. Mm -hmm. You know why church exists? You know why the church exists? It doesn't exist so that we can have a social club. Right. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the pizza and man's blessing. Amen. That's not why church exists. Right. It doesn't exist so that you and I can see one another. Amen. And fellowship. Those are blessings and benefits. That's not why church exists. You know why church exists? The church exists, number one. Scripturally, the church exists so that we would know from the word of God, as saints of God, how we're to conduct ourselves out there so that we can get them to the same Savior that we have. That's really the whole purpose Amen. of the church. And here's how it's manifested. Here's how it's manifested. By going across the street. Amen. And around the world Amen. with the gospel of Jesus Christ right. at Amen. the same time. That's right. Simultaneously. He said, yes. That's yeah. right. How do you go across the street and around the world at the same time? Well, for one, you can't pay a missionary to do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. If you won't go across the street to your neighbor, across the desk to your workers at work or to shop, whatever it is, there's people in your lives and my lives, and we're not sharing the gospel with them. Amen. You know what we're doing? We're just taking what he gave us. That's right. I know, I, know, I, know, I know you need a heart transplant, and I know that I've got the same heart that you need, and I've got the blood type that you need right here, but you can't have it. Because mm. I'm afraid you might reject it. Yeah. That's exactly what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Because you know what they need? They need a heart transplant. Yeah. They need to be born again. Amen. Amen. And I don't know where you're at tonight. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to help you. It's a deep passion. You say, I wouldn't get that. Let me tell you something. We get passionate about what we want to get passionate about. That's right. I just chose a long time ago. I'm going to be passionate about the things of God. Amen. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you this question tonight. 
We talk, we call this missions one on one. That is the heartbeat of missions. We follow his example, enter into his labor, and then go exercise his love. That that is missions one on one. So one on one, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. How many people have you won to the Lord this year? I want you to answer out loud. I don't, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I want you to think about it. See, the moment that we quit reproducing is the moment we begin to die. Yeah. And I'm thankful and I'm excited for what God's doing here, the building and all the things that are happening. But I'm going to tell you something. If we, keep, if we quit reproducing, Amen. you can have that building all you want to. It'll get empty. Yes. Because if we're not going forward, we'll start going backwards. Yes. Right. And That's we'll right. die out. Amen.